Hey, Jake, it's podcast time. Uh, that's pretty awesome, Cameron. What do you want to do for an intro? Um, I don't know. All right, let's just skip it today. How about that? Okay. And a big old welcome back to all of our favorite Regionaires to Region Unlocked, the awesome video game podcast where me, Cameron, and my friend, Jake, (laughs) we talk about video games because he's in Japan and I'm not, and I miss him. So we talk through a podcast. And I miss you too, Cameron. That's why I enjoy this so much and why we're still doing this after all this amazing time. Today we are recording. It is April 20th and 21st, 2023. We have a lot to talk about today and uh, nothing actually that specific. But yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's just get into it by first asking Jake, what have you been up to this week? Well, starting off, uh, I guess our recording time at the present is a little bit different than normal. Uh, I got some. Uh, schedule changes with work. So I was able to wake up a little bit earlier during the week, interestingly mm-hmm. enough, and record this. So um, at this point, uh, it's a little bit earlier than I'm used to waking up, but that's <laughs> fine because I'm ready to get this uh, day started. And uh, I'm always excited to get on um, uh, talking about video games and such, especially during the week. So as far as that, I've been doing some teaching. I've been uh, doing some exploring for the office and some other uh, clerical type stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've also been trying to, of course, without question, do video games as much as I uh, absolutely can. I also have this amazing little Mario trophy that I got <laughs> when uh, Cameron was in Japan and I decided to display it because it's really cute. So a can you describe, trophy. what is that? It's a golden Mario on a little pedestal. Yeah, so it's a golden Mario on a little pedestal, solid metal, which makes it really nice. So it's got some weight to it. Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, Nintendo exclusive uh, for Club Nintendo. Um, mm-hmm. It says Nintendo World Touch DS Platinum Member Memorial. And it doesn't have anything to do with Memorial. I think that's just a Japanese translation. It's just yeah. a, a small trophy that was given out, uh, like almost for, for promotional reasons, mm-hmm. a few years back for um, the DS. And I looked it up online and just said, cool, I've got one of these. They're, <laughs> you can't really find them anywhere. You can't buy them anywhere. So it's right. fun to have it. It's funny. I just bought uh, just like this little gold Mario star and silver mushroom, just like lapel pin uh-huh. off of the My Nintendo store. Just because yeah. I had enough points to where it was free. And oh. thought, hey, it's exclusive. It won't exist at some point. Just like that. I don't know that I'll ever do anything with it other than put it on a shelf but it's cool i guess no that is pretty cool and just like with all nintendo merch it's going to be available for a very short time at a very awkward time and it's going to go away and just skyrocket in price because that's how nintendo merch works yep or you find it in a random little uh nakano Uh, broadway shop (laughs) (laughs) behind a little acrylic display and you ask for it because it looks awesome so yeah And other than that, I've just been living the normal Tokyo life. Cool. Yeah, what about you, Cameron? Well, uh, I've been playing a lot of a game that I'm going to talk about later. So 
let's back up and talk about the date again. Today's date that we're recording doesn't matter. What does matter is that people are hearing this on, I believe, or at least it's releasing on May 5th, which means Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom comes out next week. And I and Jake, and I'm sure all of you listening are probably very excited for this. I <laughs> I pre-ordered the uh, special edition OLED Switch of it. I don't know what I'm going to do with my old Switch. Hopefully I'm able to <laughs> recoup some money from it. But either way, I'm very excited. And that brings me to a question. We had an email from a Regionaire, Asher. What's up, Asher? And he asks, what is our favorite Zelda game of all time? And I don't know if we've ever specifically answered that question on here before. No. So what are your thoughts, Jake? We certainly haven't talked about this in a while. Okay, thinking back on it, I've got several favorites per se, uh, games that I play the most frequently. I guess those might be my favorites, but as far as number one favorite of all time goes, that might have to go to Ocarina of Time. It's so cliche. I know, so cliche. But it was one of the first games that I ever played. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it's Breath of the Wild is amazing and all, but it doesn't have that nostalgia factor sure. of, you know, having grown up with it. Even though, let's be honest, in gameplay and everything has been improved on for many years at this point. Mm-hmm. So have to stick with the cliche answer of Ocarina of Time, because let's be honest, there's a reason why it's a cliche answer. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe to uh, to go a little less cliche, do you have a favorite 2D Zelda? Yes. I would have to go with Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages for the Game Boy Color. Yeah. And Game Boy Advance, respectively, because there were features in that game, even though it was made for Game Boy Color, there are features that were only able to be accessed if you played them in a Game Boy Advance system. Hmm. Mm. So, cool. fun fact. Yep. Another awesome game with nostalgia factor, because I played so much of those back when I was a little bit younger, even though it kind of does follow that similar trope of, uh, you know, 2D style Zelda. Yeah, I'd say for my 2D, and I've, I've played quite a few of them, I'm going to say Minish Cap. It's my favorite. Mm. I've not played anything uh, on the Game Boy, so I've not played those uh, oracles. But Minish Cap is well <laughs> is on Game Boy Advance, but <laughs> yeah, not not the older Game Boys. <laughs> and I played it more recently, and I still I really really liked it. Even though I have played the Link's Awakening remake, uh, Link Between Worlds on 3DS, and I have played most of Link to the Past now, or at least enough to know that it's following the same formula as all the others but i do understand that it's not following that formula they're all following the link to the past formula and yeah that kind of goes to uh you know why you chose ocarina of time all the 3d zeldas have mostly followed that formula since Mm -hmm. then but as far as a 3d zelda goes for me i've got a lot of favorites they're all fantastic obviously but I'll, i'll go ahead and just give it to wind waker hd on mm. the Wii U is probably my favorite Zelda. But there's other great pros. Like, I know there's a lot to not like in Skyward Sword, but Skyward Sword is the most I've ever been invested in a Zelda story. That story is very well told and is very, very good. And Breath of the Wild, although incredible, it also kind of stands in its own category. 
it just, you know, it doesn't quite fit with the other Zeldas. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm just curious with Tears of the Kingdom about to come out and be so similar, I guess, to the to Breath of the Wild. It's like, will it completely overshadow and no one will ever play Breath of the Wild again? You know? Mm. Well, it's essentially an expansion of Breath of the Wild, isn't it? For the most part. I mean, uh, yeah. you know what? We don't know. We, we don't know what to expect. <laughs> but we do know it is broadly the same map with, you know, large changes to it. But will it be like Majora's Mask that stands very separately from Ocarina of Time, even though it's very similar? They're two very different games. So... Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm. I'm very curious to find out, and I'm so excited for next Friday to have that game. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Similar but different, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask were same with the, uh, were made with the same engine. And let me throw out a public service announcement here. As you probably know, Tears of the Kingdom is going to be $70, which is pretty steep. But if you are a my Nintendo subscriber or something or Nintendo Switch Online, I believe, you are able to buy a voucher for $100 and that voucher gets you two games. Hmm. So that includes Tears of the Kingdom. So instead of, you know, getting that and then later getting another $60 game for $130, you're able to get two games for $100. Sure, that's a lot to pay right now for Tears of the Kingdom, but maybe you hold on to it, you get Pikmin 4 when it comes out as well and uh, it's very interesting program that exists, and I don't quite understand why, but <laughs> it'll save you money. Yeah, for sure. That's really good advice. Yeah, do that for certain folks. So yeah, I would just Google that if you're interested, because I'm not sure where you get access to that, but regardless. Awesome. I might have to do that as well. The game I've been playing this week is the Resident Evil 4 remake. It deserves its own episode, so Jake, have you played it yet? No, I have not <laughs> played it yet. That seems like a pretty amazing game. I uh I, I went right back to the uh small indie franchise Road 96. Oh, right. That's where right. I've been putting my time. <laughs> the the sequel came out, or I should say prequel, technically. Mm. Just after you guys left Japan. So mm. Well, uh, to say a little about Resident Evil 4, it is fantastic, for sure. And it does a really, really good job of just taking what you remember from the original, especially if, like us, you've played the original a lot. And it just, it tweaks it. It takes all these things. It's like, hey, remember this part? Well, now it's happening at this part. Remember Mm. this door? Well, now this door is over here. Remember this room? Well, now this room connects to a different room. And uh, it just kind of completely plays with your expectations the whole time while also being very faithful, too. But then expanding on the story as well. And after I played it, uh, I've, I've beat it three times now. And it's it already feels as comfortable and familiar to me as the original. But I'm a little disappointed that it's not as scary as I hoped it. I thought it was going to be a lot scarier, but... Not really. They didn't add anything to make it scarier. But I do still see kind of both versions distinctly. Like, I don't think 
it would it takes away from my enjoyment of going back and playing the original again. Hmm. That's just how good the original already was. I, I'm I'm very curious to get your impressions when when you finally get to play it. But hmm. like I said, I've already played it three times, and it's just weird. I guess that when you beat the game just on normal, you unlock the ability to get the infinite rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. Now it's cost two million to buy it and i wasn't able to get it until about two-thirds of the way through actually right before the salazar boss fight is when i was able okay. to afford it on my second run through and then from there you know it's an absolute cakewalk and then i reset again and played it on professional which huh. it goes normal hardcore and then professional so this is the max difficulty and i flew through it and beat the game in three and a half hours <laughs> using the infinite rocket launcher and it's just interesting because this is the first special gun you unlock, yet it is the most powerful to the point where it's like, okay, well, now I've unlocked the typewriter, but like, why would I care? You know, <laughs> it, it offers no benefit. And they even actually, they nerfed the typewriter where it only does a max of two damage instead of 10. Oof. Well, mm, okay, I see. The typewriter was pretty OP, wasn't it? That was yeah. like the ultimate gun. But then it's like, okay, beat the game on a professional and get an S plus and you unlock the hand cannon. But, but why? So I can one shot things that I was already one shotting with my rocket launcher. For sure. But I, <laughs> I guess that was already how it was in the original as well. Yeah. So it's just customizing your experience and how you play through it. Mm-hmm. But can't recommend it highly enough. It is fantastic. Looking forward to playing it. You've been talking it up so wonderfully, and uh, just like it was with the original Resident Evil 4, you kept talking that up to me until I eventually bought it, and <laughs> look where we are now. <laughs> yeah, and you haven't bought it, so... No, we? no. no we, we are <laughs> in limbo right now, in historical limbo, so <laughs> we'll get there. Well, the next thing I wanted to bring up that I've been up to, first off, I'll say the last episode we recorded was the Japan episode. Mm-hmm. So it's all still kind of fresh in my mind. We put in those two Mario Kart episodes in between that we recorded forever ago. So <laughs> apologies for the lack of timeliness and some of the content we talk about. But Demon Slayer, I have finished it and man, it's really good. <laughs> But I hate Zenitsu so freaking much that he almost completely derails the show. I see. <laughs> like, like, it's insane how much I hate this character. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's this other Demon Slayer kid named Zenitsu. He's got yellow hair and a yellow-orange overshirt or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he just screams and cries and screams and cries every second of screen time. And he never redeems himself. He's just hmm. awful, awful from start to finish. It's just infuriating because this show is dark. It is gory. It is dramatic and so action filled. And like it sucks you in with just this emotional story. 
And then it's like, oh, just kidding. It's a goofy kids show here in the middle where <laughs> many episodes will feature him. And it's, it's like, this is rated TV mature. Like, who is this for? Why is this <laughs> oh character here? That's very Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a very common trope in anime. And it's a very yeah. common thing in Japanese media, having like extreme dark and extreme like childish and goofiness together. It's mm-hmm. that uh, that juxtaposition. I mean, you even see that in public too. <laughs> That's true. But there there is scenes where like innocent people are being killed. And even I was like, that was a very brutal death mm. that I just witnessed. And then mm-hmm. you've got Zenitsu and even Inosuke sometimes is too ridiculous he i think he's ultimately more funny than he is cringy but (laughs) it's like is this for kids now like kids should not be watching this episode one showed that they should not be watching this so who Mm. is this for i just don't understand yeah the rating system is very different over here uh that's (laughs) something that i've noticed as well but demon slayer i've not checked out Demon Slayer in extreme detail for quite some time because it's, uh, I guess, heyday in Japan has since passed. It was initially back like in 2020 when mm-hmm. it was really popular here. Uh, and when I say popular, I mean it was all the rage. All the kids were talking about it. And that is like the one thing that everyone was watching and checking out. So like for a while, Demon Slayer stuff was everywhere. Hmm. figures toys plushies people were dressing up as the characters they had their designs like the tanjiro pattern the nezuko pattern even on the masks Mm -hmm. so that's one of those things i know you've got their uh their model sitting right next to you oh yeah yeah i've got my uh little (laughs) uh nezuko and tanjiro uh figure it's kind of (laughs) cool so yeah here it's called kimetsu no yaiba Mm -hmm. so slightly different blade of demon destruction that's the ah, translation. Destruction. That sounds cool. Yeah, that's what the kanji means. There's some some really good arcs in it. Like the whole spider forest arc is really good. Mm. Just good action, and it's just it's beautiful. It actually gives better character development to all the demons than it does to its own main characters, mm-hmm. because. Again, none of the main characters are really changing. They're just one personality trait turned up to 11. Super <laughs> kind, super annoying, super obnoxious, super <laughs> cute and quiet. <laughs> but the demons, like that's it's compelling when you start to kind of see their flashbacks and the compassion that Tanjiro has for them mm. was just great and again the spider forest arc is great especially because Zenitsu is barely in it (laughs) and that also is surprising that you say it was such a hit because there's Mm -hmm. really not that much of it out there's season one and then there's the movie the Mugen Train Mm -hmm. which on Netflix has just been broken down into seven episodes yeah and now season three is like just now out yeah that's weird I guess I don't know how long it takes to make anime. Uh, well, it definitely varies for sure. Um, I was interested in why it was so popular initially as well. So 
a lot of my students were into it. I asked them a lot of questions about it and why they liked it so much and what was so great about it when it was popular. I mean, it still is, and I still have kids who do like it, but a lot of their responses were focused around the designs of the characters. Um, mm. I quickly learned that not all the kids were actually watching the anime or reading the manga. They were just uh, enjoying the design elements. Um, mm. They didn't have any idea about the story. For instance, Zenitsu was really popular because of the way he looks, his hair mm. and his uh, bright colors. So right. that's why they liked him. Nezuko was also really popular with the girls because of her pink kimono. And mm -hmm. uh, the design is a traditional Japanese design. So, yeah, I was just, I was kind of just shocked. Like, oh, you guys are just really liking the design of this as opposed to maybe the story. And that's one of the greatest praises of this series is not just the design, but just how good everything looks. Just the animation is so well done. And maybe that's why it's taking so long. Mm. Um, it's funny you bring up Nezuko. Before I had watched this and, and I'd seen Nezuko, I was like, what is this? She's just like, <laughs> she what, this weird pet? Like, why is she muzzled? Yeah. <laughs> now it, it all makes sense. And it's like, oh, okay. I, I sympathize. It's like, what is this weird sexism going on here that the, what the girl character doesn't speak and is is gagged essentially <laughs> yeah yeah it, it all makes sense it's it's strange to see it first and that's something that's interesting is like i've never seen another anime character look like her to have like mm -hmm. that kind of uh like you said muzzle um it's like oh she's mysterious now <laughs> let's <laughs> let's find out find out more about her character right right i wonder if that's the appeal so you said you haven't watched mugen train no i highly recommend it mm. uh is is very good Part of it, as, as I was watching it, I was like, this kind of feels like it'd be a movie. And then I realized afterwards, oh, it, it was a movie. <laughs> but <laughs> it's got two major strengths. The first of which is Zenitsu is not really in it. <laughs> he has like almost nothing to do with it. And then two, the flame Hashira, Kengoku. He is freaking awesome. He is the best part of this whole movie. Mm. And... Okay. Uh, his his fighting and his showdowns are pretty sweet. So that's it. There's not a much there's not much to it. But <laughs> anime's weird. I read this funny tweet that's like everyone knows anime's got a certain level of weirdness to it. And it's hard to recommend one to a friend because you don't know what their weirdness threshold is <laughs> and if that anime is gonna pass it up. And I know it's weird and I felt uncomfortable as i was watching it <laughs> one afternoon Lindsay got home and she was just sitting on the couch and uh just anytime like certain characters would speak i was like oh now i feel like i'm being judged and then an episode <laughs> ended i'm like hey do you care if i keep watching this she's like i don't care but i don't know why you can stand this <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's good oh you've gotten sucked into anime cameron awesome i have so what's next so what's next with anime yeah, what what should I watch next? I've oh shoot done a little researching because there's a ton on Netflix, and everyone yeah. says a good starter is Death Note. Mm, that's a really popular Attack one. on Titan as well. Yeah, both really deep ones for sure. The problem with anime is there are so many, and every single one of them is designed to get you completely emotionally invested. Mm -hmm. So, like, everyone you talk to will recommend some crazy, obscure one 
And it's like, okay, I've gotten so many recommendations. Where do I start? It's kind of overwhelming. And then I always mm-hmm. just end up not starting something because it's like, I've got too <laughs> many recommendations. They're all supposed to be really good. And everyone says this is good for this reason and whatnot. What I would do is I would start with the classics because that's what I still love the most. Mm, go back to Dragon Ball Z, you say. I can do that. Yeah, go back, go back to Dragon <laughs> Ball Z. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, start with some of the older ones. I, but I don't know if I can do that now, especially with the changes in animation. Yeah, but that's the thing about anime is it's still pretty uniform. Like, it, they use the same techniques that they used many years ago. Uh, sure. It's less about the motion and more about the individual beauty the of frames. the scene. The frames, yeah. yeah, exactly. There's also JoJo that's on Netflix. Mm. And I've heard that's that's up there in the weirdness. Yeah, Ch- check out something crazy. Uh, fun fact about uh, Kimetsu, or Demon Slayer, is mm-hmm. back when it was really, really big, and I was teaching in Osaka, uh, what I did was, um, right before I left the school, I went out to a game center, and I won uh, little plushies, like five or six little plushies of the um, lead characters, and I hung yeah. them up in the school, and they're still there to this day. Are they really? <laughs> yep. That's awesome. So, that was great and apparently it's been great for the kids because as soon as they walk into the school what do they see their favorite character and they yell it really loud because i've heard it (laughs) that's awesome although i would not recommend kids watch it no but um they still do over here like i said different culture different uh rating system yeah you can't can't stop all the kids but anyway let's move on Speaking of Japan, Jake, I miss it so much. I miss being over there. I can't believe how quick I've emotionally turned around. Because usually after a big international trip, it's like, I'm just happy to be home. Mm-hmm. But it was like three days later, it's like, yep, I am I can get back on a plane right now. I'll go back over there. Yeah, man. I miss having you. <laughs> uh, and it's not even about like the sightseeing, too. Because that's what a lot of vacations are for us. It's it's seeing all the iconic things. It's just the day-to-day there was mm. so fun. And, and I know that's coming from a tourist and not someone who actually works there. Mm. But just the difference in the culture. Uh, it's so ideal for me, I feel like. Yeah. What, what specifically? What really resonated with you? I, I know we talked about this last time. I've just about the respect and interacting with people was was always very easy. Yeah, I mean, even not knowing the language, people are just very friendly to you. But I don't know, just the simplicities of it, of the freaking vending machines. We didn't talk about the vending machines last <laughs> time. Let's talk about them now. Okay. So if you guys don't know, Japan has vending machines everywhere. And I didn't realize just how everywhere that was. <laughs> they are one per block. No, two per block, at least. They are yep. everywhere, dude. Yeah, convenience. Isn't it wonderful? They're different than what we're used to. They're not like, right. uh, how do I explain this? They're not um, focused on like mechanics. It's all like just pressing a button, and that's what you get. Like uh, Okay, so it's they're not showy. They're not showy, yeah. I thought it was interesting how, you know, you look at our vending machines and say it's like a Coke vending machine. Mm-hmm. It's going to have just a bunch of bottled Coke products. 
right? Mm-hmm. But these vending machines had a lot of variety to them. Ah, yeah, that's true. Where there's just uh, every vending machine, sure, it's going to have a Coke. It's going to have something fruity. It's going to have coffee. It's going to have mm-hmm. hot stuff as well. And it's going to have like a little soup in a can as well, like a little meal <laughs> in a can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like a whole variety, almost like an entire drink section of a convenience store in a vending machine. That's what mm-hmm. I like to think of it like. And it doesn't help that the Japanese yen, their smallest bill is the thousand. It's like their $10 bill. Mm-hmm. The one and the five are coins. So you always have a pocket full of coins. And so mm-hmm. it just makes it so easy to hit those vending machines which I think has led to an addiction for Jake. And I think, Jake, you need to address that addiction right now. Hey, man, I, I, I drink too many vending machine things. <laughs> Leave me alone, man. <laughs> so, oh, gosh. Uh, it's a great way to get rid of loose change because you will accumulate a lot in Japan, especially with the prevalence of using uh, hard cash. I mean, yes, it's great to have coins, and they're a great souvenir uh, if you ever need something to bring back. And... <laughs> Yeah, I uh, gave I just, a bunch to my students. That's so awesome. I just utilize whatever I have in the vending machines and say I go to work one morning. I need a coffee. I just use whatever I had left over from buying dinner last night in the vending machine. And it's great mm-hmm. and it's quick because I can just quickly get the drink and hop on the train to work, which is on the other side of Tokyo. Back to right. the whole convenience thing. But another thing about the vending machines is the price differences depending on where you go, the prices vary drastically just one block from each other. So mm-hmm. it, it could be the same drink. One block, you see something that's, say, 200 yen. Same drink will be on the next block for 100 yen. And that's like a dollar difference. Hmm. That kind of thing. So yeah. whenever you use vending machines, point of th- a rule of thumb, don't use them closer to the train station. Go a little further out because the further away from civilization you go, the cheaper it's going to be. Hmm. Interestingly Interesting. enough, biggest markup is at the train stations. I didn't realize that. I guess it uh, didn't matter to me. But yeah. to uh, to tell you more about Jake, or at least what I witnessed on this trip, it's basically anytime we hit a vending machine, Jake would like down it immediately. Whatever he got. Oh, <laughs> that's what you meant. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, Four big gulps, and like I'm just now opening mine, and you're looking for a recycling bin. <laughs> and then, yep. And then we'd keep walking, and I noticed just like every machine we pass, you're just like you're turning your head as we walk by, and you're staring at it, trying to see if there's anything in that one that you want. Yep. Just, <laughs> just uh, you're you're definitely tracking every single one. Yes, very true. Sometimes you see some great stuff that you don't expect. Um, And especially in the evening, if you're busy, or in the afternoon, if you're busy, and you need to eat something really quick, you can just Mm -hmm. pass by a vending machine and get like soup in a can. Right. Sometimes I will eye stuff out just for later reference. So that's why I'm always looking at vending machines and even (laughs) prices as well. Prices are really uh, the first thing Mm -hmm. I look at. Like, okay, this is this much. This is probably going to be this much on this next one. But that whole downing in two seconds thing comes from my uh, expedited Japanese lifestyle of eating sure. quickly and returning to work. <laughs> so yeah. that's, very, that's a very good observation, though. I never really thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was nice. And then also you mentioned the game centers, which I can't believe we forgot to talk about on mm. the Japan episode. They call game centers, they're what we'd call an arcade, but they're a little different. 
And, and generally, mm-hmm. here's what I noticed is they all have a, a layout to them. And the most common was a, kind of like a five-floor setup where the mm-hmm. first two floors would be the like the claw games, the you know trying to win the gotchas and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, then one floor would be the racing games. And then the next floor would be, you kept calling them the network games. Yeah. So they're like online battle type things. And they look very intimidating mm-hmm. and definitely not for someone who doesn't speak Japanese. Yeah. But they were, a lot of them were very card based. Like people had their own decks they had to like place down on these machines to be like yeah. virtually red. That's very true. Um, a lot of these are very hobby based. Like people will choose one game and just play that as their game. Mm-hmm. And they'll like go there after work and they'll just like do this daily. And uh, people will spend hours and hours there. And those cards, you can actually win and purchase them. They unlock additional buffs and abilities for your character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they're network games because you play against other people on a network. It's similar to um, like a online game on the PC, except you sure. play at the game center. Yeah, I've never really checked them out. I've got friends who play them, and they say they're really fun. But you do have to get into them, and the only yeah. way to get good at them is to play them daily. So like for instance, the game I play, Caravan Stories, very similar. <laughs> Right, it's very right. complicated, very convoluted, and for anyone who's not super invested in it, it makes no sense. Yeah, it's if you're just passing through, like, don't even bother sitting down at one. Yeah. It'd be like a whole floor. It's like, oh, great, I can't play anything on this floor. But yep. then there'd be a floor sometimes of all rhythm games. Unfortunately, the one DDR we saw was taken. Yeah. I love some DDR, and I bet I still got the muscle memory back from playing in high school with Mark. <laughs> you remember what we saw the guy who was using the DDR machine he was playing expert on both of them he was playing two at the same time he was standing in the middle do you remember that true he was but it wasn't as impressive as I thought it would be because it's not <laughs> like he's simultaneously playing them both you know they stagger like it sends all the yeah. arrows at one screen and then the other so yes he is running back and forth between mats but yeah. it's yeah it was cool <laughs> And yep. then it had the the Taiko Drum Master, which we played quite a bit, actually. That was fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. And it was fun to see how many people have their own sticks that they bring with them. They don't use the actual attached ones because mm-hmm. they take it serious. Yeah, it's so true. That's a great one, though. And people get so into that one. You can hear it pretty far away as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a problem. The, the hearing of it. I kind of struggled to hear the actual music coming out of it, regardless of how loud it was, because we got a lot of, you know, just general loudness coming from the whole place. Mm-hmm. And then hitting the drums is pretty loud too. So if you're on beat, you're kind of drowning out the game and then you start to get off beat because you're not hearing the game. Cause unlike an actual drummer, I can't keep time in my head. So <laughs> <laughs> it makes it hard, but it was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, we played a few games. That was one of them. I think the most memorable of them, however, we played many times at many game centers was Mario Kart. Mario Kart! Arcade Grand Prix Deluxe! Mario Kart! Arcade Grand Prix This was incredible, man. This was a fun one. How did you never play this 
before I got there because we saw this at like every game center. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. You'd think I would, but maybe because it was a multiplayer game. I'm always okay. really sheepish about playing a huge connected multiplayer game that's designed for multiple people by myself because it's like, okay, right. I'm taking up, you know... <laughs> the awesome time other friends are having together um okay it'll just be weird to play by myself but yeah with uh you it was a lot of fun because we certainly both have been waiting to play this and Mm -hmm. it was cool having those different options at the arcade because it was similar to the switch one but different as well yeah so uh as you see it it's in most cases it is four cabinets side by side so you could play with up to four people. And graphically, yeah, it does look really good. I'd say it's probably, graphics are probably on par with like the Wii, I'd say. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not not quite as beautiful HD as, as what we are used to now. Hmm. But the actual setup, you sit in a, you know, a racing bucket seat. You've got the steering wheel in front of you. The button straight in the middle is to launch items. And then you've got a button kind of just on the right side of the wheel that's for drifting Mm. we played this every time we saw it yeah and i would say i enjoyed playing this more than riding the ride at super nintendo world same here (laughs) (laughs) yeah that hype was gone and (laughs) (laughs) so what did you like about it Mm, i really liked how we could play together to be honest, in the same yeah. seat. And it was very interactive. Uh, you know, it's got the same basic setup, like you just said, of a standard racing game at a video arcade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's Mario-themed. And I liked how accessible and easy to pick up it was. Like, you didn't have to think about anything fancy. You just had to remember accelerate, launch items, and drift. Those are the only yeah. three things you had to think of. So one hand was on the wheel, thumb was on the um, center button, and right hand was on the uh, drift button. And that's all you had to do. Um, mm-hmm. And even in Japanese, it's very easy to navigate because everything is just giant pictures. Sure. And like their yes and no are separate colors. So mm-hmm. that was easy to pick up on, of course, um, for you. And I like how you can also unlock different game styles. So for mm-hmm. instance... If you play one normal session with the standard items in a standard race, you would unlock what was it? Green shells only. Yeah, and that and, was and a there lot might of have fun. been more that we didn't see. But yeah, that green shells only was interesting because weren't you constantly generating shells? Like you, it was infinite shells, but then every item box, backs, every item box you drove through gave you a shield on your butt. And so, yep. At that point, then it would take two hits to slow you down, and so that was chaotic. Yeah, it was awesome <laughs> and, chaos, though. It was just fun. Yeah, and it's it's fun because uh, when you have a green shell, it throws a little crosshair in the center of your screen because you know it's hard to aim with a steering wheel. So, yeah, then you could try mm-hmm. to snipe your opponents a little better. But one of the thing I really liked about this was the immersiveness of it the the chair also had surround sound behind you and i feel like it had some vibration to it as well yeah it's also it just did. loud loud so when you hit a a level three drift and that boost comes behind you like you feel it and it was those boosts are the most satisfying feeling boosts that have been in any mario kart game i don't know if i'd be able to find a sound clip of it but 
if I do, I'll put it in here. I just loved it. Anytime there's a big turn coming up, I was like, yes, get that level three boost. Get that boost and then and you've like the whole chair is vibrating as you go. It was just awesome. It really was. That was very immersive, wasn't it? I didn't even think about that. You also get to take a picture of yourself. So every <laughs> racer had their own individual snapshot of your actual face. And you can mm-hmm. like overlay it with like Mario faces, like a Mario hat, Mario mustache, or like some crazy camera wonky uh, filter. That mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. Uh, but what was not fun about that was when you got hit with that special item by the <laughs> your opponent. And all you'd see was their face flying around the screen to, to distract you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so there's an, an item in this that's kind of similar to the blooper, the, the blooper, blooper yeah. squid ink. Instead of getting ink on your screen, you get these floating portraits of your opponent just blocking all your view. Yeah, another fun immersion part of it. Yeah, I wish there was you know more access to that here because there is an English version of it, but who mm. knows where those are here in the U.S. I know Tapper's Arcade Bar... You follow us on Instagram. Does that mean you listen? <laughs> if you do, you should look into getting some of these because they are sweet, but yeah, they take up a ton of space. So yeah, I understand. And also not. in the States, the prevalence of video arcades or game centers in this case is not nearly as high. Like in Japan, right. nearly every street corner in a giant city had a uh, game center. Right. And and that just goes to the, the commuter culture, which... Mm. That that's one thing I I just really like. I like commuter culture, mm. where it's the riding the trains and just walking places. It just makes everything so much more accessible to you, instead of like oh I gotta drive here, I gotta sit in traffic, I gotta find a parking spot. Mm-hmm. Instead, you're just walking. And it's like oh, there's an arcade over there. You want to go in there? Yeah, sure, okay. And then <laughs> you have a good time for something you didn't plan on doing, but you just do. Exactly. And you end up winning like 20 bags of chips in one of the machines. Everything's happy. <laughs> those are dumb. <laughs> I just, so so many of those like claw machine games was to win just like a can of Pringles. And it's yep. like, even if you do win those, there's no way you're going to end up spending less than actually just buying one in the store. <laughs> that is true. But it's the, the fun of winning. It's true. Like it just it's that much more satisfying when you win that one can of Pringles that you spent like twenty dollars trying to win. Um but my friend Jan and I, hey Jan, I know he listens. Hey Jan. Uh, we went to a uh, we went to a game center once and we both ended up winning like an insane amount of chocolates and like candy bars <laughs> and it was wonderful. But what ended up happening was one of the machines got jammed. So what one of the attendants did, because they're very on top of this, as soon as you win something, they they're over there with a bag to a you know, that uh, they give you to put your stuff in. They uh-huh. opened up the machine and just knocked it down for us because it was jammed. There was nothing we could do. So oh. we just, we had all this candy. I still have candy and stuff from that in my <laughs> uh, cabinet. So nice. it is possible. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, yes, you might win something at the price in store or you might win a jackpot of it where you've got way more than you'd ever need. Don't you just love uh, playing that chance? It's just so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, there, there's no story associated with buying one thing at normal price. You, you can tell a fun story about winning 20 at once in a game center. That's true. I, <laughs> I think things like that and gotchas probably fund all of Japan's economy. For the sure. The amount of money going into those, the amount of money we sunk in to the, there's this one that it had like a switch in it and it looked so simple uh-huh. where you just had to basically line up this pointer with a hole. It's like, surely I can get that to line up. But no, it. I bet we put 10 bucks in that and uh, yeah. got us nowhere. <laughs> Oh well, it's it's about the wonderful memory and uh, having that memory be, of in being able to tell that to the regionaires. That's what. It's oh about. yeah, that's that was worth it. <laughs> yes, ten dollars for that. Yeah, it's just so fun though. And by the way, everyone gotchas. Those are those little tiny capsule uh, toys, and they are random. Sometimes they're little <laughs> buttons. Sometimes they are mini bowls of uh, ramen. Sometimes they are uh, pigs we wearing a hat. That- we oh, get a yeah. bunch of sushis at Kura Sushi. <laughs> and those yes. are nice because those were only a dollar when most gotchas were like $3. Mm-hmm. And that was super frustrating when Lindsay found the Animal Crossing one. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like three, maybe 400 yen mm-hmm. per attempt. And they're pretty decent figures. So it's like, yeah, let's let's get a few iconic ones. I think we got five of the same character in a row. Yes, we did. Oh my gosh. It was uh, Digby, I believe, Isabel's brother. It's mm. like, who wants Digby? Come on. Why are there so many in this? That's how they get you. That's how they got you. <laughs> yep. I still have those extra ones that we won sitting over there on my suitcase. I haven't taken them out yet. Well, I see you've cleaned a little bit. I don't see our umbrellas sitting in the background. Oh, no, I had to use those because it got super rainy, and now it's all humid and stuff. So <laughs> they're drying, or they were probably not. Were you dual-wielding umbrellas? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other one's actually just sitting by the door. I took it down, oh, though, because okay. like, I was trying to climb up the ladder, and it's like, oh, I'm grabbing this instead of the bar. It's just... <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much cleaned up from uh, your arrival. Although, you'll be coming back soon, right? Yeah, who knows when? That's something we need to talk out and figure out that plan because I can, I will. I'm a little worried to come back in the summer with all the uh, fear-mongering of, no, what's the word I want? Because <laughs> how much you hype up the negativity of summer. How could I not think of a good sentence to say that? I, I'm all tongue-tied <laughs> right now. Uh, the negativity of summer. It just gets, oh, the <laughs> interesting thing about is that that's the positivity of summer because it gets super, super hot. The temperature rises. Mm, right. I'd say it's uh, it's pretty close to where we're from. It's just a little more hot and a little more humid. Mm, it's, it's pretty humid here. Yeah. Still. Great. Ooh, and I, I don't remember if I vented about this last time, but I will say I don't like the time there in terms of daylight savings because – as stupid as us switching back and forth is when we are on daylight savings, like we currently are in April, that is how time should be. (laughs) (laughs) But when we were in Japan, the sun would rise at like five 20 and then Mm. set around six 30. So I know that's going to change in the summer, but that means it's just getting brighter even earlier. And I kept Mm. just waking up when the sun came out. And oh. I check my clock, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's five thirty, but it's like full daylight. 
and yep. it just made it really hard to sleep in. That's true. Oh, that's that's something that I just have gotten used to. I just sleep through the sunlight now, which is probably not a good thing. I mean, you have to. <laughs> You're right. the The sun schedule is certainly strange here. Yeah, I'm. But it's like I am envious that you don't time jump twice a year. That you just have one you stick to. But I think it should be like us. You should jump one hour forward and then stick to that one. <laughs> It has been nice, although scheduling podcast sessions has been a little bit uh, iffy at times because of it. Yeah, but that's I mean, just life. It's a different side of the world. Makes sense. Well, I'm out of things to talk about for now. Mm. We'll probably think of some more things. And as the days come by, I'm pretty sure we'll think of more Japan stuff to talk about as well, because I still think of stuff. Stuff still comes to mind. <laughs> Yeah, again, I fully understand now why you chose to go live there. Yep, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, like, I understand the work culture, though, is uh, maybe not the most positive, but as far as being over there, I absolutely get it. Yeah, man, which is why you should come back soon to visit. Will do. Until then, we'll just have to keep podcasting. You guys will have to keep listening. Send us questions if you got them. And uh, you can do that at regionunlockedpodcast at gmail.com or check out our Instagram. So, Jake, it has been a pleasure. As usual, Cameron. My name's Jake. And my name's Cameron. Have an awesome, dirty week. Leave us on. Sayonara. Thank you.